interestingly enough, much like a lot of real relationships, every online relationship I've had has been denial leading directly up to infatuation. <laughs> like, oh, I don't do this online thing. Dating girls online, nah. You know, I would have told you it. I would have told you at some point along there that yes, I had done it, but I didn't have a whole lot of hope for it, and that the last three girls I dated were in real life, and that I liked physical interaction too much to do that kind of thing. But you know, it happened totally by accident. It was like you start talking to somebody on Live Journal because they seem interesting. You get their instant messenger screen name. You start talking to them more and more, and. It's partly, you know, a lack of having anything better to do that gets you started on it. But after a while, you get kind of attached to these people. And the computer is very much a part of our existence. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm going to go on the computer now. It's like, you know, it's it, it's like your paper, your books, your your computer. This is, you know, I didn't have to explain to my dad why I was spending so much time on it when I told him that I had met somebody online. I mean, he already had hundreds of people that he corresponded with only over the internet by that point. Um, but, you know, it... I kind of lost my train of thought. It's always easiest to write to us about like love and romance because people are always interested in that kind of shit. You just answer I, I don't know like a hundred questions or something like this, and it and it gives you some kind of profile. You know, it tells you what your romantic profile is. Um, are you like the uh, the old um, Briggs Myers personality test? You know, where it's you know there's all these different axes and you're placed in this basically personality space. You know, and it really works. The matching system really really works well. It's pretty amazing. Like. Um, Chris Coyne, one of the other people, one of the other founders of the site, uh, like his wife is his number one match, you know. I mean, they were married before, but they kind of like, you know, both, you know, take all the tests and answer all the questions and stuff. And and it it, it seems to really do a good job of of, uh, telling you if you're right for someone else or not. Oh yeah. Okay. Here, hold on a second. I can remember what the now I know what the, what the axes are. <laughs> Deliberate as opposed to random, which is I think pretty important. It's kind of how uptight you are. Brutal um, as opposed to gentle. That could go either way, depending on what you're into. Love and as opposed to sex, and that's kind of like what motivates you. And uh, dreamer as opposed to net master. So it's like um, dreamers are people who are like more innocent and don't really know what's going on, and masters are people with a little bit more experience and. And romance, I guess. Uh, let's see. Oh, the last man on earth. Let's see. The wild rose, the pris, the stiletto, the boy next door. Let's do the last man on earth. Um, this is for something that a lot of dudes get, I think. Last Man on Earth. 
random, brutal sex dreamer. Shit, rejected again. You are the last man on earth. Sorry, but most women would rather see the human species wither to an end and therefore deny the most fundamental instinct that living creatures have than sleep with you. We've learned the following. You don't think things through. You're haphazard. You're dangerous. You're somewhat inexperienced. It's totally obvious that you're a horny bugger as well. Everybody knows that and steers clear. To top things off, when you do find your way into a relationship, you tend to be a dick somewhere down the line and fuck it all up. There's a small but negligible chance we're wrong. In any case, your friends find your shit hilarious. There's nothing cooler than a dude reducing himself to human rubble. Always avoid the sonnet. Consider, half-cocked, the nymph. Your exact opposite, the gentleman. I got involved in this uh, internet Star Trek internet relay chat uh simming board which is like basically you sit around pretending to be star trek characters and mind you you're not real star trek characters you are your own character that you make up and develop and you pretend to be on a ship and you role play with one another and there's whole groups of people doing these at a time and it's very involved so anyway after doing this for a few months i kind of got to know certain people in this group a lot better than others um the first person that I met this way and actually got to talking to it to some extent uh, is a girl named Melissa Cloughley. Missy was an interesting character because when I actually finally got to talking to her on the phone, I sort of always associated Star Trek with the very kind of um, white, educated, upper-middle-class Newton existence that I led. So, to meet Missy Cloughley, who spoke like somebody from Missouri and whose dad owned a shotgun or two, um, and have her also be really interested in this thing and interested in me was quite a surreal experience. But I didn't really care about that because I was like 14. Her online name, she had a character that was, uh, for those familiar with Star, Star Trek, she was a Bajoran. She called herself Cedo Jaxa, who was actually named after a real Star Trek character, but who, who she decided to follow a completely different plot line. And it, we kind of got to flirting that way, although really most of our interaction happened in like uh, private message windows and things like that. Although a number of people on the board sort of knew that we were interested in one another. But the interesting thing is, mo there were a lot of people on this board that were kind of interested in one another. And I think, quite frankly, a lot of guys liked the idea of being in here because there were a lot of girls that were interested in Star Trek, which didn't seem to really exist in school. Were they actually flirting in character, or...? Oh yeah, in character and out. And when two people were supposedly, quote-unquote, going out, um they'd sort of appear, you know, in, in the chat rooms, like in Star Trek character in 10 forward, you know, being like, so with their arm around this person, like, yeah, we're totally hooked up. You know, uh, uh, we, we just, uh, some of them would advertise their sex lives. M most of them just, you know, would make an effort to like kiss and pat each other on the back and, uh, you know, play with each other's hair in public. This is all text. 
<laughs> and all completely under pseudonym just to you know make everything just that much more interesting a lot of the people that had you know romantic relationships on this uh service i, I can't speak to um how old all of them were but i think a lot of them were actually my age and this was probably the most extensive relationship that they had ever had at this point. So it would suffice to say they probably took it pretty seriously. And yet it was still completely in Star Trek character. I happen to have a set of fairly liberal parents that were willing to indulge my completely crazy idea to go fly halfway across the country to a completely different kind of land than where we came from. Um, you know, like, say, Massachusetts versus rural Missouri. Um, I'd have to say my parents' sense of adventure in that respect was remarkable. But uh, perhaps it was the fact that we had spent several hundred dollars on phone bills before that particular question came up and my dad maybe thought that if he actually sent me down there that it would cut down on the phone usage a little bit and it did after a while she was actually pretty cute when i got there in person and she was a total tomboy too which i thought was really sexy um because she was the kind of girl who like you know the first thing she liked to talk about her cool her car which was like not a cool car but she liked you know nonetheless and you know we'd go peeling around town and she definitely seemed like much more apt to hang around with the guys in her neighborhood than the girls but it was still definitely very much a missouri kansas city suburb which is to say like the main thing to do was like to go hang out at the local fast food joint or the denny's or whatever <laughs> i had an interesting uh, couple of days there i had never really got out much myself back in massachusetts at that point because i was the kind of person who would you know sit in front of his computer talking to people in other states pretending to be star trek characters she kissed me once before we left not a big kiss but just like a sort of step up and kiss on the left her parents were nice people they uh, taught her dad taught me how to fire a shotgun which was pretty interesting because that was my only firearms experience to date and i can chalk it up to internet love well there was this other guy in the picture who also was involved in this um internet chat star trek thing i don't really remember his name but uh he lived in kansas city also really nearby she claimed not to be interested in him said he was kind of an asshole and uh didn't really want to, you know, affiliate herself with him. But that was the first experience I had with the fact that, like, girls really seem to like assholes. And uh, so she went and had sex with him. And then I got a letter in the mail a couple of weeks later, like, snail mail, which was pretty cool, saying, you know, sorry, I cheated on you. I guess this is the end of things. And we didn't really talk too much after that. And uh, she kind of stopped appearing in the... uh chat room after a while and i kind of lost interest in it well much longer after but i actually met another girl through this chat line so <laughs> it doesn't quite end there <laughs>
I think that the best ads are ones that, you know, reveal a certain sense of humor, a kind of self-consciousness about, you know, the fact that online dating, even though it is, you know, more or less destigmatized, is still kind of a strange thing to do. I think it's a good idea for guys to recognize that there are way more of them than there are of us. They are more willing and more comfortable meeting strangers than women are. And to, and to let the women sort of make the first move, demonstrate the interest, but then, you know, let the woman be the one to give you her, you know, work email or her iPad account or whatever. And be considerate. Same thing for a normal dating, right? Give her your number instead of asking for hers. If you're going to suggest the meeting, do it in a public place, all of that kind of thing. But in terms of the ad, one of the things that I think is really nice about online dating is that it's one of the very few dating situations that really gives people who can write well an advantage because that makes them more attractive. The Sudden Departure Random Brutal Love Master Sweet, dear, loving At gate 18 Final call You are the sudden departure You've been in a lot of serious relationships More than a few have ended ugly Uglily Whatever Our guess is that you're a really fantastic girl Who doesn't really know what she wants And you've broken a few hearts as a result You fall for people easily and you enjoy the feeling of falling in love, but once you are there, either boredom or the old grasses greener syndrome sets in. The mind wanders, and with it goes the flesh, and then the toiletries. We know you are not the classic love em and leave em type, at least not in a purely sexual sense. You have too many serious bonding tendencies for that. But even though you are theoretically looking to settle down, you don't settle long on one person. Serial monogamist is probably something you hear a lot. Emotionally loose is another way to put it. To the poor guys eating your dust and sniffing your panties, it doesn't really make much difference. Of course, it's not really your fault that people get hurt. You have every right to move on when you choose. Always avoid the back rubber, the gentleman. Consider the vapor trail, someone just like you. Your exact opposite, the intern. It was over the summer, and I was at home in my small town in Wyomissing, Pennsylvania, um, when I discovered Craigslist. There was nothing to do in my town, and so for some reason Craigslist seemed to open up a world that I was didn't have access to, and I was eventually going to be moving back to Boston, so I began sort of exploring Craigslist Boston, and it wasn't long before my curiosity led me to the personal section. And before we get into this, I want to make it perfectly clear that I have absolutely no problem in the mail department. I have I have no problem getting guys. I have no problem dating them. So there's really no real desperation in this story. I want to make that perfectly clear. So I go in the personal section and I'm just sort of reading through like the men's and the women's sections, the bisexuals, the lesbians, and... Um, and, and of course, never once did I ever think about responding to any of these or, heaven forbid, posting my own because only losers do that. So, um, yeah, this became a little bit of an obsession. I started checking these personals all the time um, for like maybe a week and a half. And one night I had intended to go out. I drank a lot of wine at dinner, 
took a, quote, nap and then didn't wake up until, you know, 5.30 the next morning. So I wake up 5.30 the next morning, just like, oh my God, I can't believe you did that. And also, I'm still a little tipsy, and I go down to the computer, and what, you know, what's the first thing I do? I go on Craigslist. And this time, for some reason, in the, in the haze of 5.30 in the morning, with a little bit of a wine buzz still going, I'm like, I'm going to post something. <laughs> and so I, like, I just go to the like create new post or whatever, and I sit there, and I'm thinking, like, what do I want to post? Because this is going to be what I... I know that people are going to respond to. So I decided to take a little bit of an unconventional approach and I wrote things I like colon. And I just made this very strange assortment of things that I, I genuinely like. I think that was what it, I think that's what it was. It was like things I genuinely like. And there was things like drinking a glass of ice water through a straw, eating large amount of foods that have few enough calories that I don't need to feel guilty about like, like bowls and bowls of spinach, black and tans made with yingling lager things like npr and i made sure like i want i was you know this was i'm 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 a little bit of a creative type so i wanted to make sure that the list had a little bit of all of the elements of my personality like there were some aspects that had you know a little bit of my psycho nutrition obsession and then there were parts that showed hey i'm a little nerdy i like npr but i'm also a drinker because i like black and tans i'm like that i made sure the list really encompassed what i thought was me and that was it. It didn't have anything like I want to meet people or anything like that at the bottom. Well, if anyone's ever posted on the women's Craigslist, you'll realize that you get a million responses immediately. So I started getting all these responses. And again, I'd never considered for two seconds that I was actually going to respond to any of these. I don't want to date an online person. That's weird. Only losers do that. So, but I'm reading them because what the hell? It's kind of fun. And you know, of course, this one email comes and it's it's so clever and it's so witty and it's so well written. And I'm suddenly like, oh, oh, I need to write. I'm going to write that guy back. He's so cute. I start getting into an email exchange with this guy again. Still never thought I would meet him. Um. But we start getting really into this email thing and all of his emails are just so great and so well written and so funny. And I and I even got a, he even sent me a picture and you know in his picture he looked a little a little dorky but kind of in like a loner kind of way and I developed this really romantic image of this guy who he's really smart and really dry and witty and uh he doesn't really, you know, get he doesn't have a lot of luck with girls but He's a really nice guy, cares about his family, cares about his sister. And, you know, maybe I could be the, you know, the sunshine in his life or something, you know, be the prettiest girlfriend he ever had or something crazy like that. So this all just like wraps up and days go by like with this stupid fantasy. And then finally I'm like, I write him probably drunk, you know, because that is what I do. So I was probably wasted and I, I, I emailed him and I was like, okay. We're gonna, I wanna meet you, but this is not a date. This is not a date. And he was like, he writes back, he's like, okay, yeah, we'll meet. And, and thank you for letting me know this is not a date. And he's like, well, I, we're gonna go get sushi. So I meet him over in Harvard Square, and, um, and he told me he would be wearing like a blue button down shirt because he's like getting off work, and I was wearing like a black shirt or something. 
And he, as soon as he comes over, I like stand up to shake his hand and I'm a good five inches taller than him. So like there's this moment where we're both just like, <gasps> and, and we quickly like get over it because like it was just so clearly like so awkward. Like, oh my God. So then, yeah, we quickly, we quickly get over. We're like, oh, hi, hi, hi. It's really nice to meet you. Wow. After all those emails. <laughs> and and um, we go out for sushi and like. The minute I start talking to this guy, like all of that, like, like that mystique of, of him having like a dry sense of humor, like totally wrong. This guy is the kind of guy's like, wow, <laughs> like he totally dorky. And I am just like laughing, like, how the hell did I get here? And I really knew that it, that at the point when it was just like the most ridiculous date I'd ever been on and with the most ridiculous man I had ever been on the date with when, when at one point he actually used the exclamation yowzers. He said it in like response to something. Like I said something and he goes, huh? Yowzers. And I looked across the table and I was like, Oh my God, that's supposed to be on Nickelodeon. Like that's not supposed to be over sushi. So then, you know, at the end of our date, I kind of shook his hand and um, went home and was like, oh, I'm never doing that again. And I got an email from him being like, well, that was the best non-date I've ever been on. Like, I'd, I'd lovely do it again. And I wrote something back like, oh, I just think we're at uh, different times in our lives. Me being in college, you being out of college. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> you know, in, in code, please never email me again, you weirdo that says yowzers. Bachelor, deliberate, gentle sex master. Straight up, studly, congratulations, you are the bachelor. You're an honest, good-thinking guy, and although you're very sexually active, people don't perceive you as a male slut or man-whore or guy-dick-putter-inner or whatever. You have a sterling reputation. You're a careful person, perhaps too much so for your friend's taste, but girls like that in you. You probably don't kiss and tell, and you definitely don't brag. You know you don't have to prove anything to anyone. It's as if you believe in monogamy, so long as it's with lots of different people. Our guess is that you've got some kind of word-of-mouth thing going with the girls out there, and that in the future your sex partners will get even more plentiful and more attractive, too. You will settle down eventually and make an excellent husband, you seem the type who is into the idea of making copies of yourself, so you'll probably have lots of kids. Bear in mind, meanwhile, this can get expensive. Alternate ending, you will die broke and alone. Vermin will feast on your ragged body for five days before the groundskeeper notices. The thing is, when somebody dies in a public restroom, the natural odor of his decomposing flesh is often masked by the feces smell. Always avoid the wild rose. Consider the dirty little secret, the intern. Your exact opposite, the man-child. I was bored one night. <laughs> 
and I thought, I've never, you know, checked out what an X-rated chat room is like, and I was curious, and so I went over to kind of see what they were like. They're kind of funny. They reinforce and really magnify gender stereotypical behavior. So, for instance, there's way more men than there are women, at least in that particular context, right, in this sort of adult, you know, obviously sex-related site. And as a result, the men tend to be fairly aggressive because if they hang back, they're likely to get overlooked. And the more aggressive the men are, the more distancing the women are. So it really becomes this, this sort of interesting dynamic where you have, you have men being really, really pushy and women being very, very coy. And what I did and what I found was, was fun and actually really quite successful was not really to buy into that dynamic so much, but to sort of wait until I saw someone who said something interesting and then start talking to them and have a fairly normal conversation, which is also funny because you're having this normal conversation, you know, amongst all of this sort of X-rated background chatter, right? Because it's a, it's a chat room and there's a bunch of people in there. I think being married does a couple of things very specifically. One is that people want to know what's up with that. Um, and the other is that a lot of married guys who are not in open marriages but who are looking to cheat will think that you're in the same situation as you get a lot more overtures probably from those people. One of my sort of criteria for people that I'm interested in is that they not be sexist and that they not be jerks. And so if they, you know, if they said something that was derogatory towards their wife or whatever, that would pretty much result in me not talking to them anymore. I actually met my current boyfriend in one of these chat rooms. His personal ad was really funny and uh, really hyperbolic, you know, and it said things like, you know, I'm independently wealthy and, you know, I'm an absolute prize and, you know, women love me and blah, 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 blah. And he was going, it was very over the top and it was very much in, I read it as a parody of what people think they're supposed to say in, in personal ads. And so the fact that it was a parody and the fact that I found it really funny was part of what I thought was interesting about him, that he was smart enough to sort of spoof the, uh, the form. I'm sure you get this question all the time, but how does that work in terms of the boyfriend and the husband, and how does that all set up? Um, I think in my case it's, it's easier and more difficult for me personally. It's easier in terms of scheduling and managing because the boyfriend doesn't live in the same city as me. So it's a long-distance relationship. So when I spend time with him, I travel to do so. So, you know, if I have some time off, you know, I'll say to my husband, would you mind if I go see him? And, you know, then we'll talk about it and we'll talk about scheduling and stuff. So that, it keeps those two aspects of my life fairly separate. Before we got married, one of the things that we did, and this is partly about, just about how I conduct relationships, but also probably about the fact that we had by that point been dating for six or eight years, um, is we had a talk, you know, and okay, this is marriage, we were getting married at, I was 24, and I thought that that was kind of young. So we had a discussion about, you know, okay, what are the conditions under which, you know, this relationship would end, what to use the bottom line, you know, would you divorce me if I had an affair? And we both agreed that, you know, no, not necessarily that having an affair with someone isn't in, in either of our minds, in and of itself, grounds for a divorce.
there was a woman that he was quite fond of, and they ended up making out, and he told me about it. He was a little bit ashamed, and I just laughed because I knew that she was in a, a terribly unhappy marriage, and I felt really bad for her, and she and my husband really got along, and, you know, I said, I don't think this is a good idea because you can get in trouble because I don't think her husband would really appreciate it, but, you know, I wasn't bothered by it. I didn't feel threatened by it. So, I mean, there was stuff like that for, I would say, a few years, um, you know, where one or the other of us would, would end up making out with somebody and, you know, because we were drunk or whatever. And we would, we would just laugh. And t- I mean, we're very good friends, you know. <laughs> it's sort of the way you do with your friends when they say, oh, my God, you know, I didn't say, and you go, hee, good for you. Shortly after our son was born, um, I remember we were sitting at the breakfast table and we were having a, we were talking about, I don't even know what, and he kind of said out of the thin blue air, you know, oh, by the way, now that we have a kid, I really, you know, I think that this agreement that we have, that, you know, we're tolerant of one another, you know, having these sort of flings on the side, I, I don't think we should do that anymore. And I said, okay, you know, that's fine. And then a couple of years later, again, sitting at the breakfast table, I said, you know, I'd like to kind of revisit that conversation because, you know, I don't have anybody in mind and I'm not particularly interested in hooking up with somebody right now, but, you know, I'd like to have the option again. And he was like, okay, fine. For me, having that absolute sort of boundary feels limiting, you know, whereas I feel like the relationship, my relationship with him is better and stronger if the two of us can accept that, you know, we're a couple, but we're also independent people, and that the reality is that independent people, you know, you are going to find other people attractive. You are going to be interested in pursuing some kind of relationship with people that you find attractive, and that 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 isn't threatening, that that's okay. When we first got married, uh, the, the agreement was that the line would get crossed if you really fell in love with somebody else. Now, that's happened, and, you know, obviously it's okay. So... It's really hard for me to imagine that line being crossed, actually. It, it honestly is. I mean, we have a kid. We're, we're fond of one another. We're good friends. We have a strong relationship. It's, it's difficult for me to imagine this relationship being challenged by something that happens outside of it. You know, I'm not one of these people who advocates that everybody should have an open relationship. I think it really depends. But I do think that, in a, you know, if you're going to enter into a committed relationship, whether it's marriage or, you know, some other kind of commitment that it's important to figure out what the ground rules are and not to take things for granted, not to assume, you know, oh, we're getting married, that means that not, neither of us will ever cheat. I think it's, you know, worthwhile as a, as a relationship skill to talk about, you know, as many possibilities as you can think of and figure out where the two of you stand on that.
read, read this whole that. thing? Okay. Yeah. All right. So these are ways to tell if a guy likes you, how to tell if he likes you. He might start talking loudly in your presence or start treating you like one of the guys. Yes, this is a weird way to show he likes you, but it's one of the strongest signals. His friends are paying a lot of attention to you when he isn't around. Another way is he tries to get your attention. Another is he looks into your eyes and you're attractive. You look into his eyes and his pupils get bigger if he likes you. He couldn't control it. His phone rings and it's a wrong number. That he remembers things you said before and brings them up again as conversation, asking questions about something you mentioned in the past. Another way is when you, when you smile at him, he smiles back and then blinks. That's a pretty key one. You call him at work and say, hello, handsome, are you free tonight? And he uses his phone voice. His toes are turned towards you when you, walk, when you talk to him. If they are, then you could be the one for him forever. Everyone naturally tends to point their feet at people who interest them. His hips and upper body are in the same direction as his feet. Shows he's quite interested in you. Somewhere in the realm, a unicorn has given birth to a great crystal. That's a pretty good way. <laughs> I don't think that will be funny over the air. It's only funny if you're reading them. Um, I maybe I should number them. All right, this is for shy guys. They're tough to crack sometimes. So one, he'll look at you until you turn around. Then boom, he's pissed himself. Two, he may sorry, do something sorry, physical. Sorry, like, sorry, sorry. So. <laughs> sorry. Uh, uh, start from the top again. Start right. from the one. One, he'll look at you until you turn around, and then boom, he's pissed himself. Two, he may do something physical, like grab you in a playway, poke you, play with your hair, and quietly piss. Three. He talks to everybody else, but when you're around, he turns silent or chokes up and pisses. <laughs> I don't know why this is funny. Four, he may ask a friend of yours about you. He'll say it's just for a friend of mine that wants to know about you. Then he'll piss himself. Five, he tells you that you smell nice. Those are the, those are the possible ways. The boy next door, random, gentle love dreamer. Kind, yearning, playful. You are the boy next door. You're looking for real love, a lot like girls do. It might not be manly, but it's sweet. We think the next three years will be very exciting and fruitful ones for you. Your spontaneous creative side makes you a charming date, and we think you have a horny side just waiting to shine, or glisten, rather. You enter new relationships unusually hopeful, and the first moments are especially glorious. If you've had some things not work out before... So what? On paper, most girls would name the boy next door as their ideal mate. In the real world, however, you're often passed over for more dangerous or masculine men. You're the typical nice guy. Without just a touch of cockiness, you're doomed with girls. A shoulder to cry on? Okay, sure. But never a penis to hold. More than any other type, boys next door evolve as they get older, as we said, many find true love, but some fail miserably in the search. These tarnished few grow up to be the men next door, who are creepy as hell, offering back rubs to kids and whatnot. Always avoid the nymph. Consider the maid of honor, the peach. Your exact opposite, the five-night stand. <laughs> Jag skulle egentligen bara se tack för sist. Det var väldigt hyggligt. Det var det. Jag ska bara ta lite.
when you're doing online dating and you're messaging people for the first time, you're selling yourself, you know, and that's how you have to think about it. You have to sell yourself. And if you think about it that way, it's actually not very hard. Uh, it just takes some effort and some time. There's many more guys emailing than girls. So the, the girls, even if they're actually looking for a date, are generally getting maybe they could be getting as, much, as many as like five or ten messages a day. And so they're looking through them. But if all you email is something like, oh, hey, what's up? You're cute. You know, um, they're not going to respond at all because they get a ton of those. So the best thing to do, or at least what I used to do, um, is I would go look at their profile and I would try to pick out things that were common between us and make references to those in the email in some way and then also to, to use a tone like to sort of judge the judge the person's personality and use a tone that it seemed would interest them. A good thing is that if you can judge what their sense of humor is to appeal to that sense of humor. Cause like some people, you know, they'll say like, oh, I love, you know, Aqua Teen Hunger Force. Like then it's, it's a little bit wacky. Whereas like if they've made some sort of obscure pun in their profile, that's a different sort of hint. Um, or if they sort of like vaguely mysterious sounding sentences, you know, that's that's something else to pick up on. Uh, and, and so combining those, then you can sort of, you know, you want to sort of tailor an email to the individual person. An example of that is uh, there was a girl whose profile that I read who I you know thought was really cool who seemed to be a graphic designer. So when I emailed her, I, I made a few references to like certain points of typography. I was like, oh, I love kerning. Don't like maybe we could talk about kerning or maybe about Helvetica. <laughs> and uh, also, I think I talked about keyboard shortcuts a little bit, uh, like how much I loved keyboard shortcuts. Uh, not not in that, you know, I didn't put it that way. I made it sound, uh, I don't know, I, I put it in a, in a more interesting way. But that worked, that worked perfectly, and we started a pretty cool correspondence about things like typography and keyboard shortcuts. from her in a couple days which you know was making me nervous because I thought she was really awesome I really want to hear back from her I realized if I just sent her an email that was like where did you go I haven't heard from you like that would sound like really like needy and lame so instead I sent this email that was written as though um, she was a spy and I was like from spy headquarters and you know it was a message to our agent in the field so it was like dear agents whatever her name was you know her username um Dear Agent Username, your recent lack of contact is greatly disturbing. What is the status of Operation Honeybee? <laughs> um, and stuff like that. And, you know, if you don't notify us soon, we'll have to inform your friends and family of your demise. Um, and that worked, you know, that, that worked really perfectly. Because I, yeah, I could sort of tell that just, just based on the photos that she had taken of herself and the way she presented herself, that she would be very flattered by the idea that she was a secret agent. 
thing is it worked it worked really well because she uh, emailed me back like almost immediately and I got a few more emails out of her via that and so it worked so well that when you know like a month later I was you know had had the same problem with a different girl I sent her actually the exact same message with her name inserted instead of the other one and it worked again because <laughs> um, uh, some for some reason girls just love the idea that they're spies someone you're essentially saying you know I like you I'm attracted to you I want to I want to you know go out with you so in most cases I didn't wait too long before you know asking if they wanted to go out and grab a drink which is you know not too intimidating most people are up for that but this girl we were, we were like exchanging emails for like two weeks before that happened and this was actually the first girl who I was ever emailing with um, so I finally said so hey you know do you want to do you want to go out for drinks like we you know but you've been talking about how much we both love drinking let's go out for drinks and she was like oh I've been hurt before bye Deliberate, brutal, love master. Sharp, hardened, dominating. The battle axe sweeps all before her, smiting and whatnot. You've had a number of serious relationships, so you obviously have many attractive qualities. You are well experienced in dealing with other people's weirdness, and it's likely you're good in bed by now, too. Also, like the drunken housewife chucking Heineken's at her no-good husband, you've got a lot of energy. People can tell you're sophisticated, and so you find yourself the object of infatuations quite often. But it's how you handle yourself in your relationships that gets you the brutal tag. Controlling? Imperious? Overbearing? Yes, please. Remarkably, you don't mind the same from your men. You're experienced enough to take whatever you dish out. Overall, you're a very good person and a capable lover. And when the time comes, you'll make a fine divorcee. Always avoid the pool boy. Consider the false messiah, someone just like you. Your exact opposite, the nurse. Because we hadn't seen each other all summer, it was slightly awkward, and we naturally began drinking to relieve some of the awkwardness. So we were drinking, we're having a good time. Next thing you know, the bottle's gone. And, you know, we look at our watches and we realize that it's Sunday night and it's 1030 and that all of the liquor stores are closed. And we were both under 21 at that point. So we couldn't go to a bar and the panic sets in. Oh, my God. What are we going to do? We have no more alcohol. It's 1030. Like, what are we going to do tonight? And um, I told her about Craigslist and I was like kind of half joking. And I, I said to her, well, we could always go on Craigslist and put up an ad saying we wanted more alcohol and I'm pretty sure that we would get a response and I was kind of joking I didn't think that we would actually do this but you know when I suggested this to her she was like oh yeah we are gonna do that that is the best thing I've ever heard find me a computer 
I told her that she could type it. And she wrote something like, two college girls, one straight-haired blonde suburban girl, and one curly, dark-haired girl from Manhattan are looking for a good night and don't care that it's Sunday. Alcohol, like, is required or something like that. Please write if you have any interest. And the minute we checked my email box, like, they just started pouring in email after email after email. Every time we refreshed my mailbox, five more emails, five more emails, five more emails. I'm not joking. Within a half an hour, we had probably gotten maybe 200 emails from people. We, we went through, we looked at a bunch of them. Some were clearly creepy. Others were just uh, whatever. We found this one guy who, who, who wrote to us and he said something like, I'm 35, I'm a businessman. I don't usually do this kind of crazy stuff, but uh, I have a, you know, a few six packs and a couple bottles of wine and maybe you know, I just feel like I need a change in my life. You know, it was something like that. And we were both kind of like laughing. We're like, this guy seems harmless. Like, we'll give him a fun night. Um, you know, whatever. We'll see. So, you know, so stupid. I give him the address to my apartment and we and, and it, it, you know, randomly at the same time, one of our male friends called and was like, what are you guys doing? I'm coming over right away. The doorbell rings and we open the door and this guy, he's like pretty normal looking, maybe like 6'1", blonde hair. He's Israeli and he's got like two armfuls of alcohol and we invite him over. We invite him inside. By this point, my friend uh, had already decided that she was going to seduce whoever came into the apartment. So he comes in and she's just she has one thing on her mind one track it's I'm going to have sex with this guy tonight and so immediately like she's she's there she's like what are you doing like blah 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 like she's over in the corner like within a half an hour she's like massaging his cock He's like really, really excited because this 35-year-old businessman did not see this one coming. He thought like maybe in his wildest dreams, well, it was happening in the corner of my apartment. And I just didn't care. Like I was just talking to Pat over by my computer and we were just like drinking some of this guy's booze and just being like, whatever. The man is getting very, very excited and, and she's just like rubbing up all on him and they fall on my bed and at this point, I had I just moved into my apartment. I hadn't had romantic relations with anybody on my bed yet. So that was when it crossed the line. And I said, no, like you guys, no, you're not doing this on my bed. And she said, all right, well, we're going back to Pat's house. We're going back to Pat's house. And Pat didn't really care. He was like, all right, cool. You guys can go have sex in my house, whatever. And so they, they leave my apartment. But I guess, you know, the guy ended up taking a little bit longer than they took. And they got in the elevator before him. And once they got to the bottom of the building, she realized, 
you know, actually, I don't really feel like having sex with this guy. And uh, Pat was like, well, I think that's probably a good idea. So she's like, let's get out of here. And they just sort of like hide around the corner. And this guy comes down and he's like looking around, like probably still erect. And he's like, uh, you know, and he doesn't see them. So he comes back up in the elevator and knocks on my door. And I answer the door and he's like, they left. Like, I don't know where they are. They left. And I was like, um, well can I help you? Like, what do you need? You know? And he's like, cause I'm just expecting him to go home at this point. And he says, I'm drunk. I can't drive drunk. And I'm like, Oh my God, are you serious? Uh, and, but I, you know, I'm a good girl. I, as you know, I'm suburban. I have straight hair. So I said, fine. You know, I have a sleeping bag. If you want, you can sleep on the floor of my apartment, but I have my first day of work tomorrow, so you need to leave really early in the morning. This guy gets into his tidy whiteies and snuggles into my sleeping bag, and I had to listen to him bemoan about his women problems for a half an hour as I tried to go to sleep. He's like... She said she was going to have sex with me. I have to go back to Israel. Things in life were so much better and easier in Israel. Women are easier in Israel. And I'm like, I am going to bed. I have had a ridiculous night. I have my first day of work tomorrow. Um, Good night. And so then the next morning, uh, we wake up and I you know, kind of turn over and look at this guy. And I'm like, oh. And he is just taking his time. Like I expected like out of shame or something that the next morning he would just put on his pants and book it. But like instead he um, he's just like hanging out. He goes over to my windowsill in his tidy whiteies, no less, and sits down and he's like smoking a cigarette. And I'm looking at him in total disbelief. And I'm like, um, <laughs> you have to leave now, sir. And he kind of looks at me and he realizes like that I'm, you know, that I'm serious. And he's like, oh. Okay. And he puts on his clothing and he slowly gets dressed and I'm just standing there still looking at him. And, um, and, uh, as he's leaving, he looks at me with these eyes, like just filled with kind of disappointment and sadness, um, disillusionment, but these very like intense, um, look right in my eyes. And I just stuck out my hand and I was like, well, I hope you got what you were looking for. And he shook my head and he was like, it's a night I'll never forget. You've been listening to Love and Radio. The show is produced and edited by Adrian Mathewitz and myself, Nick Vanderkolk. On this episode, we heard from OKCupid founder Christian Rudder, whose service, despite the stories you've heard, has allowed both Adrian and myself to get some pretty sweet ass. Christian wrote, How to Tell If a Boy Likes You, and the various love personality types scattered throughout the show. Those personality types were read by Aaron Henkin, the senior producer of WYPR's The Signal in Baltimore. There are 26 more of those types you have not heard, and if you're curious to know which one you are, go to OKCupid.com. The guy who talked about romance on the Star Trek simming board was Eric Herrett, and both stories about Craigslist were told by Christina Heller. 
We also heard from Bitch PhD, who talked about the social dynamics of adult friend finder and open marriages. Bitch PhD's blog is bitchphd.blogspot.com. And finally, we heard from Adam Conover of the sketch comedy group Old English. Adam was the one who explained that girls love to be thought of as spies. For more information about our show, including playlists of the music we use, check out loveandradio.org. We also love hearing from you. Get in touch with us at contact at loveandradio.org. 